Hello, welcome to It's All Relatives Read Aloud Book Club. I'm Carol Matthews Nicoli with Laura Matthews. Two generations discussing a book we both love about yet another generation of the 1950s. The book is called Double Date by Rosamund du Jardin, the first of four in the Penny and Pam series. In alternating episodes, we're recording reading a chapter out loud and then discussing it. Great. And we're now about to do chapter 12, where we last left off. Penny had uh, done her sleigh ride with all of her chums and had gotten to sit shoulder to shoulder with Mike and experience the thrill of being near him. And then um, there's some suspicion being formed that that mother is being pursued by Paul Girard. Um, uh, Pam is all over that as a as a possible uh, threat. Maybe I don't know how she's regarding it. So now we begin chapter twelve. Penny plans a party, <laughs> and thanks for that, Rosamond, for that title. <laughs> Each year on New Year's Eve, a big formal dance was held at the Glenhurst Country Club. Randy had invited Pam to it well in advance of the date, lest she make other plans for the evening. Had he but known it, Pam had been figuring on attending the dance with him ever since she first learned of it. The possibility that he might not ask her simply didn't cross her mind. For such a very special occasion, a new formal seemed indicated. When Pam broached the subject, Mother asked, how would you like one as a kiss? As a, hmm. When Pam broached the subject, Mother asked, how would you like one as a Christmas gift from Gran and me? Her smiling glance went to Gran's face for the confirmation she knew she'd find there. That would be perfect, Pam breathed. Absolutely perfect. So Pam chose material and a pattern with mother paying the bill and Gran made the dress. The result of her inspired efforts was a breathtakingly lovely concoction of palest yellow net and taffeta with a bone to strapless bodice and an incredible swirl of skirt. Mm. Seeing it, Penny was almost sorry she had declined when Gran and mother offered her a new formal for Christmas too. She had chosen instead a street length dress in a soft copper colored velveteen with matching gold buttons. But it too turned out quite beautifully in Gran's expert hands. And there wouldn't have been much sense in getting a formal when she wasn't going to the dance. Randy probably could have lined up a date for you, Pam reminded her, if you would let me ask him. But you're so persnickety about things like that lately. You'd feel the same way, Penny told her, if it was a question of my having to get a date for you. But what will you do, New Year's, Pam asked, her gray glance troubled. It's only a couple weeks off. That cracks me up. <laughs> Who makes plans two weeks ahead? I'll do something, uh, Penny no assured texting. Him. <laughs> no texting you know there's what no i mean like, that's true you gotta have it planned or no one will show up <laughs> i guess i guess that's true it's the midwest you gotta drive places i'll do something penny assured her with more confidence than she felt don't worry about me there was fresh snow for christmas it began to fall on christmas eve so that when the twins and mother and grand came out of the candlelight service at church the soft white flakes were swirling and blowing, cold and refreshing on their faces. The next day passed in a gay confusion of gifts and Christmas calls, of friends and neighbors dropping in. The Howard's living room was cozy with a blazing log fire on the hearth. 
with the enticing scent of scotch pine, with talk and laughter and Christmas carols on the record player, on the record player. Lucius Hancock lingered most of the day, having been invited to dinner. Paul Gerard stopped in briefly so that Celia had a chance to thank him in person for the lovely red roses that he had sent her. Other friends of mother's and grand's stopped by, as did many young people, Maggie Wright, Jean Dickey, and Susan Farnsworth, Randy and Mike and Spark Matthews and Bob Purcell, so many others, Penny could scarcely keep track of them. This makes me wonder, did they run around visiting everybody too? Or is just there is the house that everybody visits, you know? Mm-hmm. Switching off the tree lights late that night, Celia said, it's been a wonderful day, hasn't it? And Gran added, this is the sort of friendliness I miss so in the city. Thank goodness we moved away before I began to believe the wells of human kindness had dried up entirely. Mother stood for a moment, a little smile pulling at her mouth. Then she chuckled. Guess what? Paul Gerard invited me to the country club dance. He did, Pam explained. Her voice sounded just a little sharp. Well, that's nice, Gran said. I hope you told him you'd go. Penny didn't say anything for a minute. She was observing how young and sort of filled with wistful anticipation Mother's face looked. Why, Mother wasn't old enough to not have any dates and fun anymore, to simply work all the time. It wasn't fair to expect she'd be satisfied with a life like that. Penny said firmly, I hope you said you'd go too. Pam flashed a warning glance at her, but Penny ignored it. Just because Mother went to a dance with Paul Gerard didn't necessarily mean she was planning to marry him. There was no point in Pam's getting into a tizzy over it. Pam spoke doubtfully. Wouldn't you feel a little out of place? I mean, both of you? The crowd will probably be quite a bit younger. Celia smiled. Oh, I don't know. Paul says the Kirkpatricks and a lot of their friends will be there. Maybe I won't seem too ancient. Grand snorted. That's silly. What a way to talk, Pam. Oh, I, I didn't mean you were really old, Mother, Pam amended hastily. But it's been so long since you've gone to a dance. I think I still remember how to act, Mother told her. What will you wear? Penny asked interestedly. My black dinner dress is perfectly good, Celia said. And quite new so far as Glenhurst is concerned. It should do nicely. But I didn't actually tell Paul I'd go yet. I said I'd let him know. But why? Penny began, and then she stopped abruptly. The troubled way Mother was looking at her made the reason for her hesitation painfully clear. Penny thought starkly, she's worried about me. She knows Pam's got a date, and now she herself has a chance for one, but I'm the problem. She doesn't want to leave me out in the cold. Aloud, Penny told Mother, don't hesitate on my account. Just this afternoon, I had a wonderful idea about what I'd like to do New Year's Eve. I hadn't gotten around to asking you yet. The place has been so full of people today but I thought it would be lots of fun if I could have some kids over that night. Not a big party or anything, just four or five people, maybe Maggie and Jean and oh, maybe Bob and a couple more boys to sort of even it off. I haven't had time to put much thought into it yet, but if you wouldn't care, she certainly hadn't had time to put much thought in it, Pam reflected wryly. The whole idea had popped full-fledged into her mind just that minute. It had been born of her desperate need to think of something so that mother wouldn't feel she'd have to stay home on her account. Mother said, why, no, dear, I wouldn't care if it's all right with Gran. Of course it's all right, Gran said staunchly. Her bright blue eyes met Penny's in a very knowing way. 
Did Grant see through her ruse, Penny wondered. Oh, well, what did it matter so long as she went along with the idea so agreeably? Good old Grant. Penny slipped her arm around the plump shoulders to give her a big hug. Grand said, leave the refreshments to me. You just keep them amused and occupied and I'll feed them. So that was settled. Mother would accept Paul Gerard's invitation and Penny would invite some people over. She hoped Maggie and Jean could come and that they'd have some bright ideas about who else to invite. This was going to be pretty short notice for a New Year's Eve party, even a small one. She'd just have to do the best she could to work it out. Getting ready for bed that night, Pam accused Penny. You certainly didn't back me up very well. What are you trying to do, throw Mother and Randy's uncle together? <laughs> no, Penny said. But Mother's got a right to have a little fun. Well, of course, Pam agreed. But you saw for yourself today how attractive Paul Gerard is. Don't you think it would be simply playing with dynamite for Mother to see too much of him? Maybe, Penny argued, but that's for Mother to decide, isn't it? Pam snorted. I get so mad at you sometimes. You just won't look at things realistically. Do you realize if Mother married him, he'd want her to go away somewhere with him when he starts working again? New York, Paris, anywhere. Mother simply wouldn't desert us, Penny said, climbing into bed and snuggling her cheek down against the cool pillow. Well, she certainly couldn't take us along. It would just be a mess any way you look at it. I am too sleepy to look at it tonight, Penny said. But a small qualm of uneasiness stirred in her. What Penny said made sense. It wouldn't be an easy problem to work out if Mother should decide to marry Paul Gerard. And there was no denying that he was handsome. The gray hair at his temples gave him a look of worldliness and distinction, a look that was augmented by his rather sardonic smile. Anyway, Penny reminded herself as Pam switched off the light and got into bed, still kicking the subject of Mother and Paul Gerard around. It was certainly up to Mother to decide. All you have to decide, she told herself just before she dropped off to sleep, is how to get a New Year's party put together in less than a week. As a matter of fact, it didn't prove nearly so hard as Penny had feared. A few phone calls the next morning established the fact that she wasn't the only one who had been in danger of not having anything to do New Year's Eve. Maggie exclaimed, why, Penny, that's a grand idea. Of course I'll come. Want me to ask Bob? We're going skating this afternoon. I'm pretty sure he can make it New Year's. So that took care of two guests. Jean Dickey also accepted Penny's invitation with enthusiasm. When Penny asked her if she knew of any more boys they could get, Jean answered thoughtfully, Shall I sort of feel out Kurt Watson? He lives next door to me, only he's been away at college. He's just a freshman, though, so he wouldn't be too old. He was griping the other day because there wasn't much to do around here. He'd probably be tickled pink to go to a party. The thing seemed to snowball under Penny's very eyes. She ran into Jerry Clark from her physics class that afternoon when she and Jean were playing table tennis at the park house. <laughs> I love these little activities. His brother Bill was with him, and both boys were so friendly, playing doubles with Penny and Jean and giving them pointers on their backhand, that Penny felt emboldened to bring up the subject of New Year's Eve. And, sure enough, neither of them had anything planned. They'd be glad to come to her little party. That night, as Jean and Penny talked on the phone, Jean reminded her, now you've got four boys and only three girls. I know, Penny admitted. It never seems to come out even. 
But Grant says any number up to 10 or so is okay with her. So that gives me a little leeway. Penny couldn't help a wistful wish that it had been the other way around. If she had an extra girl instead of an extra boy, she might have gotten up the courage to invite Mike Bradley. Of course, he could have something else planned for New Year's Eve. Penny didn't know. Except for a little while on Christmas, she hadn't seen or heard from Mike since the beginning of the school holiday the previous week. And outside of their encounters at school, she hadn't seen much of him for the week or so before that. Mike's part-time job had been keeping him busy until nine o'clock at night when McKee and Dane's department store closed. So Penny hadn't even had the bittersweet pleasure of seeing him briefly when he came over to take Pam out. Jean's voice at the other end of the phone wire brought her gradually back to the present. There's Cindy Wentworth, Jean was saying. You might try her. She's a lot of fun. That's a good idea, Penny agreed. I'll call her up right away. But when she got Cindy on the phone, a further complication developed. Gee, Penny, Cindy said, I'd love to come. I've been wondering what to do on New Year's. But her voice quavered a little with anxiety. Betty March and I were talking this afternoon, and we agreed to do something together. You couldn't, she asked hopefully. Use another girl, could you? Why, yes, Penny said rather breathlessly. Yes, as a matter of fact, I could. Why, it was almost like fate pulling the strings, she thought. Now she would need an extra boy. She could ask Mike and keep her fingers crossed, hoping he'd be able to come, that he'd want to. Oh, wonderful, Sydney exclaimed enthusiastically. I know Betty will just love it too. Thanks a million, Penny. So that, Penny thought, hanging up slowly, was that. She wondered whether Pam would know anything about Mike's plans for New Year's Eve. Asking would be the only way to find out. Penny went into the bedroom where Pam was brushing her hair into a soft, dark cloud before the dressing table mirror. Who are you phoning? Pam asked curiously. Penny told her. She told her, too, about Betty March. Now I've got an extra girl, she said, where before it was an extra boy, honestly. Let's see. Pam pursed her lips thoughtfully. Who else could you ask? How about Mike? Penny suggested quickly. You don't happen to know what he's planning, do you? Mike? Pam's brows lifted a little. He's been such a stranger lately. I wouldn't know. Well, he's been working, Penny reminded. He didn't have much time for dates till just this week. So he keeps telling me, Pam chuckled. So finally, I relented and let him talk me into going to the movies with him tonight. You want me to ask him about New Year's for you? Penny shook her head. Uh, no, thanks. I'll ask him myself when he comes. The doorbell rang just then and Pam said, that must be him now. Go down and let him in, why don't you? And then you'll have a good chance to invite him to your little party. The superior way Pam said your little party made Penny half angry. She didn't have to sound quite so condescending, even if she was going to a dance at the country club. Hi, Mike, Penny said as she opened the door. Oh, hi, Mike said with a little chuckle. You know, for just a sec, I thought you were Pam. Well, I'm not, Penny said flatly. Maybe it was the lingering heat of her annoyance with Pam that lent her courage. She asked, are you all tied up New Year's Eve, Mike? Or would you care to come over to a sort of party I'm having? Nothing elaborate, she went on, moved by the need to put all her cards on the table. Just some kids coming over. Jean and Maggie and Bob and a few others. Sort of fugitives from the rarefied atmosphere your sister's going to breathe out at the country club, Mike asked, grinning down at her. 
Penny thought there was a slightly bitter twist to his grin. Apparently, he had asked Pam to do something with him New Year's Eve and had been disappointed. No. Something like that, I guess, Penny admitted, smiling too. We'll have fun, though, she added firmly. Sure we will, Mike said, laying a big hand on her shoulder in a friendly fashion. Thanks for asking me. Penny's heart lifted like a runaway elevator. Next chapter, chapter 13, a word of advice. Whoa. I guess that'll be the big party. Yeah, this was quite a build-up chapter. Build-up chapter, yeah. All right, so join us for our discussion of this chapter in our next podcast episode. See you there.